Correct. And we're off. Welcome everyone to Eat Sleep Suplex Retweet on Patreon. My name's Ross McLeod and this is our weekly Raw Report. Today I'm joined by David Hockney. David, how are you? I'm good, Ross. How are you? A lot better than I was at the weekend, so that's always a plus. Yeah, um, so I'm stand-in host for Stevie today, so you had me in your show, so you're on my show this week. I will. <laughs> share the misery. Yep, share the misery. Turn about, turn about's fair play. Um, so we're going to... Uh, before we review Raw from the 25th of the 11th, 2019, WWE's fourth night in Chicago for mm-hmm. Survivor Series weekend. I mean, it's like, just they're, gluttons. Wee, it's like they're gluttons for punishment. <laughs> <laughs> uh, just a wee bit of housekeeping, uh, suplexretweet.com. That's where to go to find all the links to our social medias, which is at suplexretweet on all of them. Suplexretweet as well. You can find us on Spotify, iTunes, Anchor, all good Android podcasting sites, just click on the links on suplexretweet.com and also our Patreon, $1, $4, $6 levels. We'd be absolutely delighted if you could support us at any level at all. Give us so, the money. I said it says give us the money. <laughs> so for anyone who hasn't listened to the show before, one of the main features Stephen does is six for six. Mm-hmm. I will talk about three Three events for six minutes. David will talk about three events for six minutes. Six for six. Simple enough. Fair enough. Uh, And then at the end, we'll just have a quick, quick fire run through, you know, the rest of the card. So we might talk about something really good or we might want to rant for six minutes about something really bad. It just depends on the mood we're in. So So you are the guest on the show. So when I say go... Your six minutes will start, and you get to pick one segment on Raw you want to speak about. And the time starts now. Well, I'm going to kick things off with the opening segment of Raw this week. Seth Rollins calls a town hall for the entire Monday Night Raw roster, and he basically just roasts them to death for being so poor at Survivor Series. Although, I'm not quite sure why the Viking Raiders were there, because they were the only ones that actually won for Raw. But it, it kind of made sense why everybody else was out there. and. I'm st- I think this was quite uh, quite interesting because Seth Rollins, you know, he's he's come across as very much like a a company man per se for WWE, but he doesn't portray it very well. So this little segment, you know, it was a bit of a shift in his uh, in his direction. He was showing a lot more sort of heelish tendencies. He was calling out face characters for being weak links, for being sloppy, and for just generally letting everybody down. And I get that you, some people lash out for something that they're passionate about. You know, it's the whole sort of tough love scenario. But, oh, I mean, some of the stuff he was saying, you know, you'd expect it from, you know, 2015, Seth Rollins. So it's, but yet he doesn't quite seem like a face car, uh, like a full-blown heel yet, if you know what I mean. Mm-hmm. So, so... I mean, just the fact that he was calling everybody out and everybody was walking out on him and then all that we have at the end is Kevin Owens who, you know, it's his status has been somewhat up in the air but given what happened at Survivor Series and stuff, it kind of fell a bit flat so, yeah I think Kevin Owens' uh, interaction in this, it kind of felt a bit, sort of calmed down a bit, given that, you know 
Rollins was winding him up about being Mr. NXT. Mm-hmm. Yes, I mean, I've got mixed feelings about it, to say the least. Well, I think it was well done for the simple fact that obviously you mentioned Owens at Survivor Series, you felt that kind of fell flat. I think that was the best thing that happened, you know, the fact that he was so he was so there to prove his loyalty mm-hmm. that he get distracted and get eliminated. Yeah. I like the Seth Rollins thing, the Seth Rollins is the sort of the locker room leader. I liked his <laughs> I liked his comments to Rey Mysterio. I beat Brock Lesnar twice this year. You couldn't do it with a pipe and your stupid kid. That absolutely made yeah. me cackle like the twenty fifteen Seth Rollins. You mentioned it. You mentioned the Viking Raiders. I was watching it with uh, Scott. Yeah. Scott turns to him and goes, Viking Raiders are looking at him going, why the hell are we here? We won our match. Yeah. And he called it the AOP for some reason as well. Like, you know, AOP who have basically been yeah. irrelevant since Crown Jewel last year. Yes, yeah. Uh, they, would you call it, they, um, they called him out and said, we don't need you tonight. We don't need you. Sorry, we needed you last night. We don't need you tonight. My highlight of it, though, was Randy Orton walking away and yep. giving Seth a sign, something that rhymes with anchor. Yeah, they, they have a banana sign. <laughs> yes, they have a banana sign. <laughs> that's what we used to, I think that's, that was the, the PG way of saying it. Uh, it was always the way you said it in school, so you didn't get caught. Yeah. <laughs> Shh, Just don't cry. Shh, don't cry, have a banana. <laughs> Oh gosh, this is bringing back memories from school. This was funny. So as we bring it back to Seth's promo, I I was actually a fan of it. I think a lot of people felt Seth Rollins is sort of lost direction. Last year he was the most over thing going. I think earlier by the year, time... Earlier this year he was the most over thing going. I think he ran out of steam at WrestleMania. I think the, his storyline with Brock was worse than Roman's. Because hear me out, Okay. Roman Reigns can hit a good promo. Roman Reigns had a point to prove. Roman Reigns was getting his one-on-one match eventually against Seth Rollins, against uh, Brock Lesnar. Whereas you know, you know the match itself, you know, less said about that the better. But the build, I think, was better. It was just that fans just rejected it. Whereas Seth Rollins, it it, it was the same story they told with Roman Reigns, but they just put Seth Rollins in there. So it was a better wrestler bit lesser promos so you know the build was significantly less and then Rollins has been his own worst enemy on Twitter you know he's basically just turned the fans against him so I think this is very much needed the whole burn it down it's just cringeworthy you know being used as a promo he needs to get off Twitter definitely because he's not doing himself any favours with the way he's conducting himself and I get it he's a he wants to be a good representative and a good company man for WWE because he, you can sense it in his voice that he really, really likes being there. And that came through at SummerSlam this year when he beat Brock Lesnar for the second time and so many people got back on his side. Like even just, we we watched SummerSlam together and you could see how we all, we were all in elation, the fact that he was able to uh, regain the universal title and he was, and it, and it showed in his face. I think as well, what's damaged him, just quickly to round us up as we're into the last 20 seconds of the six, mm-hmm. he's not been helped, obviously. He went up on Twitter against Will Ospreay. Will Ospreay 
took him to town, basically, while Osprey has the, the indie cred. And then he went up against The Fiend. Everyone loved The Fiend. And then he was going up against everyone's favourite brand, NXT. So it just got to the point where we were like, yes, Seth, you've you've not done yourself any favours on Twitter, and then you've came up against the two coolest acts at the minute. So I think a heel turn is needed. Yeah, definitely just responding to fan outcry, essentially. Yeah. So that's Dave's first six for six. Uh, so... Uh, Stephen usually ranks it Stone Cold or Red Hot what would you rate this opening segment? I would give it Red Hot you know it was a, something fresh something that will have long term implications going forward and you know it's a good shake up of characters good so as my six minute begins I'm going to talk about the night that AOP had mm. because so Obviously, you touched on the promo with Seth Rollins. We then got a match, and I'm not very happy about this because I like Zack Ryder and Kurt Hawkins together. I think they are good. They are over with the fans. They always have their finger on the pulse when it comes to social media or pop culture references. You know, they've got the the old school wrestling fans still interested because they do the Major Brothers Figure podcast. Yep. And the review retro stuff and all that. So mm-hmm. I think there's so much there you can do with the Major Brothers. You know, you saw Twitter light up, you know, before Survivor Series thinking, God, what if, you know, Zack Ryder and Kurt Hawkins beat the Viking Raiders because of, you know, interference by the Raw and SmackDown teams, as we've seen in the past? Mm-hmm. What if, you know, even if they're just there to take the pen, it's good to see them go on Survivor Series. You know, it's good to see this. And then... Last week, they get taken out by AOP, and then this week, they are absolutely squashed by them. They're jobbed out, essentially, just, as, as normal, yeah. yeah. And they're, they're posting on Twitter that they're, you know, they've been delighted that, you know, the past two weeks on Raw, they've had a spotlight, and they got in the Survivor Series Battle Royale, and you're just like, I can see the point of being happy you got on the Survivor Series card, you know, Seth, eh, sorry, Kurt Hawkins and Zack Ryder were always sort of front and centre for the Raw stuff. So they deserve to be on the show, but it's just like you, you've just jobbed out to the new team. You know, mm-hmm. the whole your, your whole mini repush was a ploy to get this other team over. So I'm not happy about that. What are your thoughts about AOP squashing Hawkins and Ryder? See, I think AOP are finally getting that second wind that they've so mm-hmm. desperately needed for the last year and a half. Because when they were called up to the main roster the first time, they just fell, like, right on their ass. There was no way they were going to bounce back from the booking position they were in, considering that we're teaming with Drake Maverick instead of Paul Ellering. And then I think one of them got injured around last year. And then I think one of them was just randomly tag-teaming with Scott Dawson in the pre-show of the Royal Rumble, which it just made absolutely no sense whatsoever. And the only other time I'd seen them before that was... uh, the last Crown Jewel event in the 50-man Battle Royal? Or was it the, the sorry, uh, Super Showdown? Uh, yeah, in that match. Yeah, Super Showdown, yeah. And then just seeing them after Survivor Series as well, after all these vignettes they've been posting, I think this is a, a good opportunity for them to become the dominant tag team they were when they ha- were in NXT. 
So later on in the night, uh, we then see AOP interfere in the, you know, ensuing Seth Rollins Kevin Owens match. Mm-hmm. They get in the ring. You think they're going to attack Seth for what he said about them, but then they viciously turn on Kevin Owens. They beat him down. They stare down Seth. Seth looks like he's still faced before, you know, curb stomping mm-hmm. Owens. There's no def. Definite heel turn yet, and there's no, you know, alliance yet. But it looks like that's going to be, you know, Seth's sort of henchman as he rises back up the card. Mm. Well, certainly an upgrade to JD security. Yeah, there's certainly an upgrade, but it's just I, I've kind of lost interest in AOP, and I'm just it. It made no. If you were going to give them a spotlight, why not do it last night on the the battle royal, the tag team battle royal? Yeah. You know, they could they could have eliminated the jobber teams and then, you know, had, say, heavy machinery and the street profits gang up on them. So, you know, it took two or three teams to get rid of them. You know, throw Dolph Ziggler and Bobby Roode in there. Yeah. But, you know, Hawkins and Ryder being used just to put them over and then the whole... We've not had the confirmation yet. Had we maybe had the confirmation of Seth's new stable with the Authors of Pain, I might have been more for it, but I'm just, I'm not for it. So I personally would give AOP a stone cold for the night. What about you? Uh, I think it's too early to tell. I would sort of give it somewhere in the middle, if I'm being honest. If I had to push you stone cold or red hot, you had to pick one. Uh, for the moment, Stone Cold. Stone Cold, yeah. Yeah. Because it's just... It's it's just come out of left field a bit, hasn't it? Yeah, they've, they've came out of left field. You know, they, they did the promos about six weeks ago, then disappeared for about three weeks, then showed up at the worst time, mm-hmm. then didn't appear at Survivor Series. They didn't appear, you know, when they were doing all these promos, they didn't appear at the best in the world tournament. Surely that would have been the... The launching pad for them easily yeah like so many good opportunities to have brought them in and they just didn't do anything yeah a bit of a bit of a disappointing you know the, the raw tag team is stronger but just AOP's booking there in the minute because of the likes of Viking Raiders and Anderson and Gallows they just seem a bit lost and it's unfortunate they're basically being used to sorry Zack Ryder and Kurt Hawkins are being used to put them over I'm afraid yeah. But that rounds up my first six for six. David, what's your second six for six going to be? Uh, you know what? I'm going to give it to... the My second one's going to be the Fatal 4-Way match to determine the number one contender for the United States Championship. So we've got Rey Mysterio, Ricochet, Randy Orton, and Drew McIntyre. So, again, like... um what they were doing with Officer of Pain. This is sort of spurred just sort of in the heat of the moment, essentially, where AJ Styles is out cutting a promo and I think it was uh, Ricochet that turned up first. Oh, no, oh, no yeah, no. he was AJ was meant to face Humberto for the US title. Yeah, but then yeah Humberto attacked, was going to get a rematch. And then he gets attacked by the OC and then Ricochet comes out and challenges him instead. But then out comes... 
Randy Orton and Drew McIntyre all saying they want to challenge him. And then Rey Mysterio comes out afterwards. So, and then those guys get into a fatal four-way, which was actually a pretty solid match. Yeah. But I think yeah, a- the highlight for me, though, was uh, the highlight for me was the, the chopping battle between Drew and Orton. Like, those were like Walter-style chops. Yeah, I was a wee bit, uh, obviously you mentioned Walter. His chops, and we'll talk about it on our Survivor Series uh, review this week on that main show, his chops, I think Drew kind of flinched and it just did not come across well. Yeah. But these chops, yeah, were like the Walter-style chops. I also like the, because <clears throat> it's going to fall into my uh, six for six when I talk about uh, Styles Mysterio. Mm-hmm. I liked how they played the story of Randy Orton. Randy Orton had that match won. Randy Orton, Arcee was Drew as he's setting up for a Claymore on Ricochet. Mm-hmm. And then when it gets to, to the OC, yank him out of the ring. They yank Drew McIntyre out of the ring. They beat all of them down. So it, it played in a, you know, what we're going to talk about later on, but it also gave Randy Orton a reason to be in the main event. Mm-hmm. It just, I thought that was really good, really good storytelling. It looks like maybe going forward, Orton and Humberto will maybe go after the OC, but it also kept both Drew and Orton strong. Yeah, I mean, there's no, there's no uh, bad news for like Drew or Orton because obviously they're they were the ones that didn't take the pen. Instead, Mysterio got like a a cheeky cheeky roll up on Ricochet. But with those guys in the ring, you know, there's never like a dull moment because you've got two incredible high flyers. You know, Rey Mysterio is like in his mid forties as well, and if he can still move like that, that's fair play to him. And with obviously the guys like Drew and Orton who have got more sort of intense brawler styles, it was a really good mix of characters at the same time. I'm just curious as to what, you know, where maybe Drew goes from here. But from what it looks like, it looks like Randy Orton's going to be feuding with the OC. Yeah, Drew's a weird one. Like we mentioned, obviously, the Raw Tag Team division's quite strong at the minute. Mm -hmm. So AOP or someone... They want to keep strong, but they can't keep them too strong because they've got, you know, the Viking Raiders and the OC ahead of them. Drew sort of the same boat, but for a while in his WWE career. But the thing is, with Seth going on to be a heel, you need like and, a, a face character. No, no, not as a face. Keep Drew as a heel still. I think I think that's his, you know, his best role. But. Mm-hmm. If AJ is occupied with Orton, if Seth's occupied with Kevin Owens, could we not give Drew, as a heel, a chance to run at you know, Rey Mysterio? I, I don't see why not. Cause it, it, I think it just makes sense. He should be, you know, he can, you know, the old adage of, you never pinned me and, you know, why do you get a shot, you know, Drew's whole mantra since he's got to WWE's been, you know, I'm here to clear out the deadwood so, you know, he can turn around and just tell Mysterio, look, past your prime and Brock Lesnar proved that. Mm. And it ties into the fact that Rey Mysterio was even contemplating retirement as well. So I yeah. can definitely see Drew feuding with Mysterio now that, now that you've sort of said it out loud. 
And with Randy Orton feuding with the OC, probably as a potentially as a face character in this instance. Well, not you see, we can't really use the term faces and heels anymore because they're just uh, they're just in that mentality. You know, if we agree with their actions or not, it doesn't matter if they're trying to be like cookie cut baby faces or they're just malicious heels. There's always that gray area now, and that seems to be the case with all the the guys going forward. I'd maybe agree with Kevin Owens on that one, but I think it's pretty clear, or maybe an Orton as well, but I think it's pretty clear cut. Raise a face, the OC and Drew are heels, I think. They're mm-hmm. very well defined. Yep, definitely. <laughs> well, it's like you said so about, just, it's like what you said about Rhea Ripley. It's like what you said about Rhea Ripley as well. It's that, you know, she's not a face character. She's a, you know, she's a, a fighter. You know, she does have healing yeah. tendencies, but we all cheer for her anyway. Mm-hmm. So just quickly, when we're in the last ten seconds, uh, Stone Cold or Red Hot? Red Hot. Yeah, I'd agree with you. Um, so that takes me on to my second six for six. Jesus Christ, I'm slabbering on myself trying to say second six for six. <laughs> <laughs> so just going to give a wee bit of a spoiler here. Uh, my ranking for this is Red Hot. It's the match between Rey Mysterio and AJ Styles for the United States title. Mm-hmm. Um, Rey Mysterio overcomes the odds. We'll talk about how he did that later, but AJ Styles had a quite long run with that US title. Was it... Was it... Um, it was before... Extreme Rules? Yeah, and it was just before Extreme Rules, I think. Or was it on Extreme Rules? Yeah. No, it was on Extreme Rules. Yeah, you were right, yeah. Yes. So it's been like since, what, May time? Uh, no, Extreme Rules was July because right. June stomping grounds where Ricochet won it from Joe. That's right, yeah. And then... And uh, AJ's run, I think, is what we'd hoped. See when bigger stars take the United States Championship, mm-hmm. they either they either feud with the same guys they would feud with for world titles, so it's not as exciting, or they just don't defend it, they just go after the world title. Mm-hmm. But AJ's had a sort of mixed bag of opponents. You know, he's fought against Ricochet. He's fought against Cedric Alexander. He's fought against... Humberto Carrillo, he's fought against, as we've seen here, Rey Mysterio. He had, you know, as being Raw's mid-card champion, he got a match against Roderick Strong and Shinsuke Nakamura due to them being champions as well. Mm-hmm. The title run, I think, has produced some of AJ's best work because it's no secret that us in the pod were AJ Styles fans. You know, Alan more than once has said he's one of the best in the world, if mm-hmm. not the best in the world. He's your one of your favorite wrestlers, other than Adam Cole. Baby, you know that's coming. Yeah, uh, uh, yeah. I'd say AJ's. I'm like, giving you a Randy Orton sign right now. <laughs> yeah, um, AJ's top three for me at least. So mm. definitely one of my favorites, and he's done really well with this title reign. And to be honest, I thought he was actually going to drop it to Braun Strowman. I thought the same as well, but obviously things changed, Braun sort of got thrust back into the universal title picture mm-hmm. but I think this is what we need a United States title run to be, it elevated the likes of Cedric, Humberto, Ricochet even Rey Mysterio you know that, imagine telling someone in 2010 you're going to get Mr. TNA against you know WWE's greatest high flyer mm-hmm. and you know a match on Raw for the United States title 
you know, you'd, you'd bite their hand off for it. <laughs> you know, he said some great matches and it's improved the dull face WWE title run we had for just over a year. Yeah, it just got to the point, you know, it was AJ Samoa Joe happening every single month and it was just, it just got repetitive, I think. But I mean, you can't take away the fact that, you know, AJ was champion for like over a year as well. And that's, that's saying something. Yeah, so obviously the match itself, uh, we touched on it during the Fatal 4-Way. Uh, the OC are kicked out. Rey mm-hmm. Mysterio has 619 on AJ Styles. AJ gets thrown into the referee. The OC come back out. And that's when Randy Orton appears absolutely out of nowhere, as he tends to do. He takes out the OC. He pushes AJ into a 619. And as he comes off the 619, he gets RKO'd. Mm-hmm. Orton scarpers. He has no interest, you know. He he is no interest in seeing Rey Mysterio as champion. But he does have an interest in sticking at AJ Styles. And I think that, that was done quite well. And obviously, we mentioned face AJ Styles. The WrestleMania match with Orton and AJ, I believe it went on second after Seth and Brock. So... Yeah. It sort of died a death just because of what I had to follow. So I'd be looking forward to seeing an AJ versus Orton feud. Yeah, it's been kind of given a second chance because it was put in arguably the worst spot on the WrestleMania card, which is the second match. And it, it, it didn't make AJ look weak either. You know, the fact it takes two guys uh, doing their finisher simultaneously to keep them down. So that makes him yeah, come across as quite strong and he loses under dubious circumstances. But, you know, I mean, it's a big win for Rey Mysterio as well because his first United States Championship when he beat Samoa Joe the first time, that was just a, a really mm-hmm. forgettable title ring because I think he had to vacate it after, what, three weeks or something? Yeah, he got injured again. Yeah. So hopefully this time around that he gets some redemption in this United States title reign. Yeah, here's hoping. So, just for the last 45 seconds of this six minutes, mm-hmm. I'm just going to do what I do always on these shows, which is fantasy book. Okay. Obviously, we saw Randy Orton team with the Revival before. Mm-hmm. We talked about how AOP are sort of suffocated because they've got the OC and the Viking Raiders above them. Why don't we trade the o- uh, Revival for AOP? They can run roughshod and SmackDown. And the revival can come give Randy Orton a bit of backup. They all, the revival want to work with Randy. Randy wants to work with the revival. Why not? Exactly. I mean, give, give the people what imagine, they want. Exactly. Could you imagine some of the matches between the OC and uh, Forever the RKO? Uh, I think if the revival became base characters, as a result, it would make sense because obviously the OC are heavy heels at the minute. Mm-hmm. But just the match itself, it sounds amazing. So, as we round up that one, I gave that a red hot rating. We are 3-1 up for red hot so far. The only Stone mm-hmm. Cold has been EOP's booking. Yeah. Uh, in my opinion, that is. Uh, David, what would your final 6 for 6 be? My final one is going to be Charlotte Flair versus Asuka. Like, this was... Okay. Yeah, this has been going on since WrestleMania last year. It's the fact that, you know, Asuka has never beaten Charlotte one-on-one. 
via pinfall or submission. And it all obviously transpired from what happened at Survivor Series the night before, you know, Asuka walking out on Team Raw after turning Charlotte into She-Hulk with the green mist. And she did it again this week as well. So there was obviously some animosity between the two. And as a result, it cost the Raw women a victory and one of my sweeps as well, because I had Charlotte to survive and the Raw women to win. So, yeah, thanks, Asuka. I was the same. I, uh, Scott was running the Survivor Series sweep this week because I was a wee bit tired from War Games work and then travelling from Scotland to Kirk and Tullock to see Haley. <laughs> and I was texting Scott throughout it because I watched a wee bit uh, before I went to my bed and I just sent, Aska, no! What are you doing? No! <laughs> Damn it! <laughs> just all block caps about not just one simultaneous message, just like one message after another. One yeah. word. <laughs> like, how did she get that mist? Uh, anyway, is it like a a capsule or something? And then she like chews it up and then just it's sprays it. It's a capsule. It'll be like hidden somewhere on her gear, and then she just throws it in, pops a capsule, spits the stuff. I mean, it must be quite a big one as well, considering how much mist is getting sprayed everywhere. Because I mean, Charlotte's almost was covered from like from, like, head to, like, shoulders and stuff. It was crazy. Yeah, it's it's a weird one, because when Tajiri used to do the mist in WWE, you know, it was always, like, a, just a wee, a wee spray. It was, like, direct in the eyes. Yeah, a wee black in the face, it, yeah. The whole, yeah. The whole point of that was to, like, hide it for the ref. It was meant to be right in the eyes, and the competitor would cover their eyes, and you wouldn't see it. Whereas, like, you're like, how do you not see this green mist? Yeah. Well, I suppose if you don't see like a a chair shot taking place like did it really happen but if you see a chair in the ring as well you can't assume it was used to hit someone you know referee logic makes no sense sometimes i suppose that is fair so the actual match itself what did you make of the match oh really really solid match like they were just throwing absolutely everything at each other and i think it i would say it almost rivaled what happened at WrestleMania 34. But I think that that first encounter they had at WrestleMania, I think it's still their best. But for what we got on Raw, I'd say it was pretty solid. And obviously with Asuka sort of having, being the heel now and Charlotte being somewhat of a tweener, I'd say, it, it added a fresh new dynamic and having Kyrie Sane on the outside as well as sort of like her tag team enforcer. It's It's a new dynamic altogether Kyrie saying as a heel is something I think that's very interesting you know she had that whole you know you mentioned cooker, cookie cutter baby face you could not get a more cheesy smiley baby face than Kyrie saying I still don't crowd, be, I still cannot like accept the fact that Kyrie saying is a heel because she is literally the most innocent looking superstar on the entire roster see I, that I think plays into it because the big cheesy smile has been replaced by a wry smile, and it's just uh, it's like you know you're being an asshole, but nobody's going to believe me if I say, "Look at her, she's an asshole," <laughs> and she you know is like, "Oh no, not me, not no, not not at all." Not, nope, why would nope, I do that? Nope, uh, sweet innocent Kyrie, yeah, yeah. It's like <laughs> it's just it's one of those ones I think it plays really really well. And uh, have you seen one of the matches that's been announced for Starcade? I don't know if it's going to be one of the televised or the 
like just for the live crowd. There's another Starcade. Yeah, I believe it's this Sunday, this this coming Sunday, according to Scott, who's my my notes taker. <laughs> he's he's taking the notes of the meeting. I was um, not aware of this. Yeah, so apparently there's going to be a fatal four way for the women's tag titles. It will be Becky and Charlotte versus Bliss and Cross versus Bailey and Sasha versus the Kabuki Warriors. Warriors. Uh, that's that's quite interesting actually because uh, you've got all four horsewomen being featured, and you've got the former champions in as well. Yeah, absolutely. So this this match it was a good match. It wasn't as good as WrestleMania one. I think you'd be hard pressed to find, you know, a better women's match than that WrestleMania match mm. itself. So I don't think that's much of a a disrespect to say it wasn't as good as the WrestleMania one. But just as we're rounding up, what would you give this segment? Uh I think given the fact that it played off of what happened the night before and they just struck it while the iron was hot, I'm going to say red hot. Yeah, I, I think I'd have to agree with you as well. I think red hot, two of the best going, two, sorry, two of the best going, two great heels in Asuka and Kyrie Sane and Charlotte, you know, she was one of Seth Rollins' victims. Mm-hmm. and his tirade and I think she proved here why she was still one of the best yeah definitely and and Asuka finally gets a win over Charlotte as well so that's big for her so my final 6 for 6 just as we finish off this portion of the podcast I'm going to go with Buddy Murphy knocking on Alistair Black's door Mm-hmm. the continuation of this storyline so for those that missed last week's show Buddy Murphy knocked on the door of Alistair Black Alistair Black opened it like, <laughs> like, <laughs> one of those, like one of those old men who sees kids chanting his door and running away opened <laughs> it to go, Where are you? Buddy Murphy was out of the ring Buddy Murphy went to have his match Buddy Murphy had his match this week on Raw against Matt Hardy. Matt Hardy in sort of a, a legacy sort of gimmick here. He's back to, you know, playing between gimmicks. Pick one, Vin- Matt. Vintage Hardy almost. <laughs> yeah. Um, so he... Alistair Black cuts a promo, goes, you knocked in my door asking for a fight. You have no idea what you've let yourself in for. And he says, your presence here tonight and the fact that you have a match tells me you're looking for a fight. You might get one that you didn't expect. So Buddy Murphy has a, a good back and forth match with Matt Hardy. Great to see Matt Hardy back on TV again. And then he almost knocks him out with a big knee. Maybe a wee hint to, you know, what he can bring to this Alistair Black feud because the thing with Alistair Black is he knocks people out with that black mass. So I think it's to show that Buddy Murphy, you know, just as quick can put you on your backside. And Alistair Black's got some devastating knee attacks as well. And you know what I like about this is they didn't just they haven't just put this as a as a random match on a throwaway raw. You know, they're actually taking their time with it. They're investing in it. They're creating a bit of 
ambience and a bit of story about it. So, um, I think I appreciate what they're they're doing with it and the fact that they're they're actually telling a story for once rather than just rushing it. Yeah, and obviously post post beating Matt Hardy, Buddy Murphy takes to the mic and a sort of dismissive and jovial tone, not taking Alistair Black seriously, just says, I am looking for a fight. And <laughs> as he gets midway through, the music hits, the arena, it doesn't even go dark, it doesn't do the full entrance, he just runs to the ring. He runs to the ring, mm-hmm. and they start to brawl, and as you said, Black's got some devastating knee strikes as well. He knocks Burf- but. Murphy, I Buddy Murphy to the outside <laughs> with it. Knocks Buddy Murphy to the outside. Brit, uh, Buddy teases going back in before to the, the chagrin of the crowd saying, you know what, it's not worth it. I don't want to pick a fight tonight and walks away. As you said, David, it's they're building to it. They're, they're not just throwing it away. It's not just going to be, you know, it wasn't buried in amongst the the Survivor Series brand warfare. It wasn't buried on a random raw. It's being built, and hopefully we can see it on the main show, not the pre-show, of mm-hmm. TLC. Yeah. Uh, is TLC a, a joint pay-per-view? Uh, yeah, all the main roster ones are joints now. Okay. And, and this is good for Buddy Murphy as well, because he's become a, a fair bit of a rising star, not just like on Raw, but... You know, before the draft, he was on SmackDown as well. He had a lot of big wins under his under his belt. And I like that they're giving him so much attention as well because him as Cruiserweight Champion was arguably one of the best things about 205 Live. And he's really sort of carried that momentum over to the main roster. That, well, I, say, I can't really say the main roster now, but now that he's being featured more on Raw and SmackDown, he's still the best kept secret. He's not just a jobber anymore. Yeah, like the first six or so months of his SmackDown tenure, he didn't really do much. You know, he was he was sort of just in amongst the mix. And then, you know, SummerSlam comes and a wee bit of good fortune. He wasn't even meant to be there when they filmed the whole something falling on Roman Reigns angle. Yeah. He was just, the camera just accidentally caught him. Yeah. And he went for the end. It matches against Roman Reigns. He got, a, you know, it was used to build the Brian storyline, but he got a match on the SummerSlam kickoff show against Apollo Crews. He got a match against Daniel Bryan. He beat him. The past few weeks since the draft, I think he's been on every Raw, and he's beaten the likes of, you know, Akira Tozawa. He's beaten the likes of, you know, local talent. You know, he's always being featured as of late, and I think people always talk about, you know, oh, this guy's been buried, or oh, this guy's not being pushed. See, if you put two new guys together, or two guys that aren't being used together, it always works out for both of them, because mm-hmm. the only thing worse than losing on a show is not being featured on a show. Yeah, and Alistair Black's been so, sort of one of those victims of circumstance where, you know, he's just kept behind his door, he cuts really eerie promos but we haven't seen him in in mat in a match for for ages yeah i believe he was on like the draft raw and that was like the first match we'd seen him in since the 
SmackDown post Extreme Rules when he mm-hmm. fought Cesaro for the second time because he was he was regularly featured. He was fighting uh, on Raw, SmackDown, and NXT. He wins the Dusty Classic. He fights at WrestleMania for the SmackDown tag titles. You know, mm-hmm. he was a regular feature. But just to wrap this up, uh, glad that they're both being used again, and I would give this this feud, this build, and this segment a red hot. Yeah, I agree. It's good to see these two guys being properly utilised now, and we're we're potentially going to get something good out of it. Yeah, <coughs> sorry. Yeah, it's good to see. Obviously, you know, when, when NXT with the breakout tournament, they sort of had a a similar thing where it's like we have too many guys. Let's just you know have a tournament and see what happens. Mm-hmm. So a lot of tonight's Raw was very good storyline-wise because multiple segments bled into each other. Um, so there's not really much to round up for the rest of the show. Um, so we've covered the OC, Attack Humberto. Then we get the Fatal 4-Way, Rey Mysterio, Dethrones, AJ Styles. You know, we have all the AOP and Kevin Owens stuff. Charlotte mm-hmm. Asuka, Black Buddy Murphy. Hardy Buddy Murphy. So the only things we've really got to talk about here, Eric Rowan defeats Kyle Roberts, a local jobber. <laughs> Kyle Roberts tries to look into uh, Eric Rowan's cage. What do you think's in the cage, David? I bet it's like a giant rat or something like that. Because there's no way, uh, like... Scott. It's too wee for a person. Uh, it's got to be like a... It's got to be like an animal or sorts, or it might even be like a... Oh, I just hope it's not going to turn into this whole like what's in Kane's bag kind of thing, and it turns out yeah. to be Studio's mask. So I said to Scott, "What do you think?" Because obviously you see him going like cutting those promos where he's talking to the cage like it's a baby. Mm. I said to Scott, "I went, what do you think's in the cage?" He said, "A GoPro." <laughs> <laughs> what he just he just films himself? <laughs> Wait, I get it now. <laughs> Uh, so, Rowan Roberts, Red Hot or Stone Cold? Uh, I'm not enjoying it because it gives me flashbacks of the whole cane in the in the bag and stuff. So, Stone Cold for me. Yeah, I agree. Um, Akira Tozawa versus Andrade. Andrade not featured on Survivor Series despite having a great match with Seth Rollins last week. Mm. Uh, Tozawa getting a... I say getting a a showing he fought for the Cruiserweight title again. It's something we've seen him do multiple times. Mm-hmm. But the two of them had a, a good wee back and forth match. Basically just to continue Andrade's run. Stone Cold or Red Hot? I hate to say it, but I think Andrade's sort of having to press the reset button again, just like AOP. So unfortunately, I have to give it a Stone Cold. Fair enough. And then... From possibly the worst storyline going in WWE. Oh, please don't. We had, we had actually quite a funny moment. Um, I've just labelled this Rusev Riot. <laughs> so, a couple of a Bobby Lashley versus Titus O'Neil match. Rusev takes out Bobby Lashley, drags him up to the stage, beats him on the table, and as the police handcuff him, he, <laughs> with his hands tied behind his back, 
kicks Bobby Lashley off the stage and then kicks the basically the equipment mm-hmm. on top of Bobby Lashley as yeah. Lana looks on her side. This yeah. this has been a horrendous storyline, but I thought this segment was actually quite funny. You know what? I think you might be right, yeah, because this is just one of those storylines that nobody wants to see and it was just, I don't know, I'm sick of it already, but having watched that segment, it was actually pretty, it was actually probably the best thing about this story thus far. Yeah, plus, although she was quite annoying in this segment with her screaming and her, you know, direct-to-DVD acting skills, <laughs> the promo after it when she goes people are asking about Bobby and I just want you all to know I'm okay and I'm going to deal with this just so smug so self-absorbed mm. I thought it was absolutely hilarious for Lana. I mean I don't know if it's hilarious in a bad way though That that that's why I'm confused because I'm not sure what to feel about this story in general, because what happened with Rusev and, and Lashley, I mean, I thought that was that was good, but I think the way Lana's being portrayed, that I just don't follow it. I don't understand. So, would you give this a red hot or stone cold? You know what? By a narrow margin, just because the interaction between Rusev and Lashley was actually quite funny, I'm going to give it a red hot. sorry so that's a red hot there from both of us so that just kind of rounds up everything that was on the show tonight Mm -hmm. so I'm just going to take a wee drink that's all right. (laughs) so yeah for the nine segments of the night so Dave with your three six for sixes Mm -hmm. you chose Seth's opening promo yep and you gave it a red hot. Yep. You gave the four way a red hot. Yep. You gave Ask a Charlotte a red hot. Mm-hmm. Uh, I gave AOP's Night a Stone Cold. I gave Ray versus AJ a red hot. And I gave Buddy versus Black a red hot. So that's five out of six for a six for six. Mm-hmm. A pretty good draw for the big things. And then when we go to the best of the rest, Rowan versus Roberts, I think we both gave a, a stone cold. Yep. Andrade Tazawa, we were split on. I gave it a red hot just because Tazawa's featured again and Andrade's momentum continues. You disagreed. You think Andrade needs to hit the reset button? You said stone cold. Yep. And Rusev running wild, red hot because it's the funniest thing in this promo so far. So that brings us to. Six out of nine because we have a draw, so it's a no contest for the Andrade Tazawa. Six out of nine red hots on this raw. A pretty fun raw. Yep. Probably one of their best raws they've done in quite a while. I don't know if it was just because of the Chicago crowd or because it was the fallout of Survivor Series, but they capitalised on a lot of things and they've set up stuff for the next pay-per-view. So I'd say a job well done. Yeah, I think as well, they didn't rely on the whole who's showing up sort of thing. Mm-hmm. It was it was done well. It was done 
you know, without help from SmackDown guys and NXT guys and, you know, Triple H showing up, it, it was done without the build to a pay-per-view. It was mm-hmm. a standalone Raw. And as a standalone Raw, you know, when you get a fatal four-way, you get a United States title match, you get two of the young stars building a feud together, you get two of the best women wrestling each other, Seth Rollins showing a bit of character development, and a funny segment and a storyline that no one cares about, I think you can turn around and go, yeah, actually, WWE kind of knocked it out of the park tonight. Yeah, they, they did pretty well when you put it into perspective. So that is going to do us for the Raw Report here. Uh, David, thank you for joining us. Hi, no bother. Glad to be here. So just obviously our housekeeping again, suplexretweet.com is our website. At Suplex Retweet is our social media on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. Suplex Retweet fan, uh, Suplex Retweet community, I should say. Uh, it's a private Facebook group. If you just want to talk about wrestling, some discussions, get involved, and get a bit of engagement for the viewers' choice part of the show, you know, by all means, find us there. And of course, Suplex Retweet on Anchor, Spotify, iTunes, and Android for so much free content, and then for content like this, Suplex Retweet's Patreon page, $1, $4, $6. Gives your money, as Sarah says, we'll take mm-hmm. anything. Mm-hmm. So yeah, that's covered Raw. If you want to hear our Survivor Series review, uh, that will be on our free feed as of this Wednesday. David, you'll be on that. Yep, I'll be there. Lots to talk about. Uh, I- lots to talk about. And of course, the Wednesday Night Wars would be remiss not mention your show. A lot of the war games follow. It'll be discussed on that. I imagine so. Yeah, along with uh, everything that's occurred on AEW Dynamite, including a potential world title match between Chris Jericho and Scorpio Sky. So, so much happening on our free feed. So much happening on our main feed. You know, we have a mass of content, free and paid for. Please join us. Get involved. Give us a wee tweet. Just engage with us. We're lonely. We'd like to talk. (laughs) (laughs) Should should add that to my Tinder profile? (laughs) (laughs) And I think that is a good as note to uh, to end on. (laughs) Right. Thank you very much and bye-bye. See ya. (laughs) That was... Uh, And stop recording.